and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. We do welcome you to our series, How to Pray. So if you're with us last week, we began the series looking at the Lord's Prayer. And before we get into that very uh, famous and familiar, probably the most well-known portion of Scripture, beginning with those words, Our Father, we looked at the handful of verses immediately right before it. And that's the, uh, the part in the passage where Jesus, in a sense, was teaching us how not to pray. He said, don't be like this, don't be like that. In a sense, he was saying, we should pray privately, we should pray sincerely, and we should pray regularly. So prayer, very simply put, we understand, is talking with, it's communicating with God. But how many of you understand we can continue to learn and grow and develop in our prayer time? There's certainly always something, if we would be humbly receptive to the Lord, that we can learn and grow in our prayer. Sometimes we can learn and grow from little ones in our prayers, right? One night a father heard his young daughter speaking, but she was alone in her room. The door was cracked just enough to see her kneeling beside her bed in prayer. Interested to find out what kind of subjects a little child such as her might bring before God, he paused outside of her door and listened in. After tuning into her speech, he was puzzled to hear her recite the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And she would go all the way through to Z and Start back over with A. She just she kept repeating the alphabet. Well, he didn't want to interrupt her as she seemed to be in prayer, kneeling in prayer to the Lord, but curiosity got the best of him, and so he broke in and kind of interrupted her prayer. He said, honey, what are you doing? And the little girl said, well, I'm praying, daddy. Well, then why are you praying the alphabet? He asked, and she explained. I started my prayers, but I wasn't sure what to pray. I just decided to say all the letters of the alphabet and let God put them together however He thinks is best. That's some good advice. Good words of wisdom from a little one. Allow the Lord to put them together as as He thinks is best. So we look at this part of the Word of God, and I invite you to Matthew chapter 6. Again, probably the most familiar prayer. It's one that many people have learned and memorized. It's the Lord's Prayer. You might call it the model prayer. In Luke chapter 11, it also, Luke records Jesus and this prayer. But in Luke's gospel, he records the disciples coming to Jesus saying, Jesus Teach us how to pray. And so this is kind of the model for us. Not necessarily that these are the only words that we should say and and just repeat it over and over, but this is kind of a model. He said this then is how you should pray. So there's some structure here. There's some insights here. And as you take a look at this Lord's Prayer as a whole, what you'll see is there's kind of two separate sections that beginning portion of the prayer 
Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's, it's all about God. It's our Father. It's your name. It's your kingdom. It's your will. And then the second half, that's where it tends to, to talk about the us, right? Give us this day and don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us. Isn't it a good thing when we start our prayer with God? That seems to be an understatement. It seems to be understood, but yet many times, if we're not careful, we can come to God in prayer and it really be all about self, all about us. So right off the bat, as we're looking at just this overarching theme of the Lord's Prayer, we've got to start with God because these first several statements, these first couple of verses, all describe and all talk about God. And then that last half talks about us. That's not a, that's not a bad ratio to kind of keep in mind. Begin with God and, and look to have a, a good portion of our prayer honoring and lifting up and exalting the Lord. And then coming to the Lord perhaps for some needs and requests and other things. And so we take a look at that. Now, in Luke chapter 11, as Luke re recounts this gospel, Luke said that the disciples asked, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, we've seen different things about uh, the disciples. We've seen different things about Jesus. But we don't really see anywhere in Scripture where the disciples are lifted up or lauded as giants of prayer, right? The disciples weren't necessarily giants of prayer. In fact, towards the, the end, remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus asked them to pray, and what they do? asleep. And so here's the disciples. They kind of struggle with their prayer time. Nowhere do we see them being lifted up or designated as uh, incredible champions of prayer. And they know it's important. They hear from Jesus that it's important, but yet they struggle. Many times that sounds a lot like us. We know prayer is important. We hear about it and, and we, we speak about it and teach about it. And, and we know that God desires that we pray. Because as Jesus said, when you pray, he assumes, he understands, he believes that godly people, righteous people, people in a relationship with God are going to pray. He says, when you pray, here's how. So many times like the disciples we can fall short. So as we take a look at the Word of God, we take a look at the Lord's Prayer, we're going to see Jesus and His model. So Matthew chapter 6, and today we're looking entirely at verse 9. Matthew Chick, Matthew Chick, <laughs> that's pretty much shorthand for chapter 6, right? Matthew Chicks. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 reads like this. Pray then in this way, <clears throat> our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So if we were to just give this an, an overarching title, you know, the, the theme and the, the series is how to pray. 
I would say today that theme or that title of this message, how do we pray? Reverently. Reverently. We're going to dig into this verse then and take a look. So Jesus said we're to pray reverently. First of all, we do that by recognizing our relationship. Very first two words of that verse, when he says, pray then in this way, our Father. Glorious words. Jesus said, our Father. Now, in Jesus' day and age, Aramaic was the language of Jesus' day, the spoken language. Greek was the written language. And so, as Jesus is saying, pray then in this way, our Father, the, the word there that he's using for Father is a word you've no doubt heard and been familiar with. It's that word, Abba. Abba, Father. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it talks about when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are children of God, and we cry out, Abba, Father. It's this close communication, this close relationship like dad or daddy. It communicates a, an intimacy, a closeness, and a tenderness with God. Now, here's the thing. Jesus speaking about this at that point would really have kind of blown the minds of his hearers. You and I in the 21st century, it makes perfect sense because we've heard about, read about God as our Father. In their day and age and in their culture, they did not refer that way. In fact, if we took a look at the Old Testament history, 39 books of the Old Testament over many hundreds of years... There's literally about 10 or 15 times that God is referred to as Father in the Old Testament in its entirety. And yet, do this on your own and double check me today. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And if you look through that entire chapter, Jesus uses that word Father 11 times in that one chapter. Nearly as much as the entire Old Testament combined. And you can add it up and take a look, different uh, scholars and, and theologians have, and say that over the course of the Gospels, Jesus has used that term over 150 times. Jesus is saying, this is how we are to communicate and connect with and recognize our Father. He is our Heavenly Father. Now, again, back in the day, they, they didn't refer to Him as Father. They would have a little bit more of a, a different understanding, maybe some titles a little bit more fancy, Sovereign Lord, King of the universe, but to call God Almighty Father, that, that was foreign, that was different. Think of it this way. As, as virtue of going through four years of Bible college and, and going through and being ordained in ministry, I have, now we might need to go back down a little bit. I'm sorry, Mitch. I'm hearing a little bit of a, I'll, I'll just have to handle the strain there. It's better than you hearing the feedback. <clears throat> so by virtue of going through and graduating from Bible college and, and uh, being ordained in ministry, I have this title at the beginning of my name, that says reverend. 
So in, in some cases, when I've got to sign some official papers for the church and other things, I, I, I sign Reverend Mark A. Andreason. By virtue of you inviting me and selecting me as pastor of this church, I have a title that's pastor. And so sometimes that's Pastor Mark Andreason or Pastor Mark or, hey, pastor. However, I've got two very special little girls who aren't so little, Autumn and Brooklyn. And when they see me, they don't stare up at me and say, Oh, most holy, reverend, pastor, Mark Allen, Andreason, procreator of the Andreason family, I beseech ye, therefore, for some mac and cheese. If they did, I'd probably be lying on the floor saying, what in the world has gotten into you? What do they call me? Dad or daddy? Why? There's a relationship there. And so Jesus is saying, we've got to recognize the relationship. If we have given our lives to God, we have that relationship as a son, as a daughter, and we can come to him. Jesus says, come like this, our father. And he uses that word, Abba. It's, it's not the, the, the formal, yes, Mr. Father. It's more of the personal, dad. Or daddy, we refer to him and we think of him that way. Now, that's both good news and bad news. The good news is we can come to him and see him in this way as a relationship. The bad news is for many, for some of you in this place, for some of you listening, when you think about your father, you don't have a very positive role model. And when you think about someone being a heavenly father, that initially triggers your thoughts of your home life. And you think, why would I want God to be my father? Now, I admit, I am incredibly blessed. I had an incredible father, a great dad, husband, pastor, leader, my dad was incredible. I had a great home growing up. So for me, when I read about and heard about and was taught and preached about God as our Father, it clicked with me because I had a great model and a great example here on earth. But how many of you know not everybody does? And so we say, well, God's our heavenly Father. And people hear that word Father, and they think of their dad and they have some, sometimes there can be some negative thoughts. Because maybe their father was not existent, not around, non-caring, abusive, or all, all kinds of other things. And so their, their thought is, my earthly father was like this, and you're saying that God is my heavenly father. And these don't seem to line up. Jesus is saying, we've got to recognize our relationship with God. And here's the good news. He is a loving, he is a caring heavenly father. No matter what kind of relationship we have had with our earthly fathers, Jesus is saying, our heavenly father is loving and caring and compassionate 
1 Peter 5, 7 says, to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Maybe you didn't experience the loving, caring, compassionate aspect growing up from a father. Jesus is saying we can see that and trust that in our heavenly father. He knows, he cares. We were reminded about the scripture on Wednesday night in our prayer study. God knows even the very hairs of our heads and how many there are. And we can chuckle and we can say, well, that's a whole lot easier for some than for others. But the fact is, God knows it. He knows and he loves and he cares and he's compassionate. That is the relationship that we can recognize. God's a consistent father. Maybe some people didn't experience the care, the concern, or the consistency Maybe some had a father who was kind of up one day and down the next, in a good mood one day and in a foul, terrible mood the next. Our God is loving, caring, and consistent. We can trust in him. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from the Father above who does not change like shifting shadows. Things change, people change, situations change. Our God is faithful, consistent. We can count on Him. As many times as as we hope and we wish that as earthly fathers we would get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. God is faithful. God is consistent. We can trust in Him. God is capable. God is competent. God gets things done. Things can happen when God is a part of the situation. Luke 1.37 says that with God, nothing is impossible. That echoes our thoughts when we're a little kid growing up, right? When you're born, and as you're this little child, you think, my daddy can do anything. Impossible things, right? I mean, daddy's literally Batman and Superman and Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk and, and Thor and all the other superheroes smashed together because my daddy can do anything. And we realize over time that enthusiasm tends to, tends to fade, right? My daddy can, yeah, he can do a few things. Yeah, my dad's okay. When it comes to God... The encouragement is God can do anything. Nothing is impossible with him. As Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers or desires, thoughts, or hopes. Not only can, can he do anything, God can go even beyond what we think. So, as we begin our prayer, it's good and great and anticipated that we start with God. This first section is dealing with our, our relationship with God. And Jesus said, as you start with God, recognize the relationship. Recognize He's our Heavenly Father. Recognize you can love and trust Him. He's faithful and dependable. So we move into that next phrase. He says, our Father who is in heaven. 
think it's a great encouragement for us to grasp God's closeness. Grasp God's closeness. Now, we, we hear that word, God is in heaven. And maybe as a child, maybe as an adult, grown up, maybe just yesterday, you're thinking, where in the world is heaven? I mean, I know where Lima is. That, that way. I know where Kenton is, and I know, where, I know where Canada is, I know where Mexico is. Hey, even after today, I know where Tanzania is, you're saying. But where's heaven? And when we hear this, this term that, that God's up in heaven, sometimes our, even as Christians, sometimes our, our immediate thought is, well, God is way up there or way out there. God is just so far away. I believe God's reminding us Jesus is reminding us, yes, he's in heaven, but understand he is close to you and to me. Now, as a father, God is a person. He's not just this this force. He's not just the, the higher power that's kind of just oozing around the atmosphere. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we get that thought about a a force or a power, and God is just out and about. Understand, He's the Heavenly Father. He is near to you and I. In fact, He is here with us this day, speaking and sharing with us. He's close, He's personal. Acts 17 27. God did this so that people would reach out for him and find him since he is not far from each of us. God's close. God's not way out far somewhere that we've got to go seeking and searching and and taking this 5, 10, 20-year journey. We can reach out. God is close. God wants you and I to, to find him and have that relationship with him that we talked about. To know him. For some people growing up, maybe their fathers were not very close. And so there's maybe a little bit more of that absentee father. And so that, that thinking about a father kind of blends into the thinking about God. And then we hear, well, God's up in heaven. And we say, he's just away. He's absent. God is present. God is close in our lives. Understand, God is never too busy for you. No matter what takes place in the natural life with our natural fathers, with our natural family or friends, God is never too busy to stop and listen to our prayers, to intervene in our situations. Do we get busy sometimes? Yeah. You ever gotten too busy for a friend, for a family member? Might not have been our intention, but that happened. God's not the kind of individual, God's not the kind of God that says, here, take a number. Oh, schedule an appointment. I got one two months from uh, today. God's never too busy to hear and to answer us. Understand that God loves to meet our needs. Matthew 7, 11 says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? I mean, we try to do the best that we can. 
But as human beings, we want the best for our children. How much more a loving, caring, present Heavenly Father. Understand that God's sympathetic to our needs. When things happen in our lives, in our families, in our physical bodies, in our finances, in our emotions, God's not up in heaven saying, oh, tough, go get a Band-Aid, get over it. God invites us to come to him, to hear us, sympathetic to help and to answer our prayers and our needs. Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You ever been there? Brokenhearted, crushed in spirit? For any number of reasons, because this, this world is hard. It says the Lord is close. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. So when Jesus is teaching us to pray, and he says, our God, and he relates that to this, this personal relationship we can have with him, and he says, our God who is in heaven, he's saying, God, though he's in heaven, he is near to be close to you, to meet your need, to meet your situation, to what it is that you and I face. No doubt there's hurting hearts and situations represented in this place. We can turn to God, loving Caring, compassionate, sympathetic, able to meet needs. So Jesus says, we recognize this relationship. Recognize that if you've, if you've put God first in your life, you're a son, you're a daughter, and we can come to him. We don't have to come with some fancy title or term. We can come to him as father. Abba, father. He's our dad. There's that relationship with him. And as we do so, we can understand God's near. God is close. And finally, as Jesus says, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Set apart, special, awesome, mighty, powerful, unique are you, God. So we begin our prayer with God, we begin talking about and praying about the character of God. Psalm 115, verse 1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. It's about honoring God, honoring his name. We sang it this morning. We sing glory, glory, glory to who? To us as we pat ourselves on the back. No. Glory to his name. Jesus is teaching us this reverence, this respect for God and for his name. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. See, God's nature and who he is, he is the Father, he is the Dad, the Daddy, and yet we can come not so flippantly, but come reverently and respectfully to God. Yes, we can come personally, but we do so reverently and respectfully. You know, maybe you've heard some people talk about their parents. Many times it's very derogatory, some of the comments that they have. Some of those terms, you know the, the terms that you've heard? Yeah, my pops. 
the old man, the old lady, derogatory terms for parents. This is not so casual that we just flippantly refer to God as, you know, that big guy upstairs. He's our heavenly father. There is a personal relationship, yes, but there ought to be that reverence, that respect for who God is. You look throughout the word of God, the character that is displayed, the love, the kindness, the compassion, the description of who he is. There is awe at who he is. Now, we don't need to fear him, but we need to fear him. We don't need to be scared of him with fear, but there should be honor, reverence, respect as we we start our prayer, we start it with God, we come to him. And Jesus says, hallowed, holy, sanctified, set apart, completely other. That's who God is and his name. We've got the relationship, we've got the closeness, but we also revere and honor and respect him. Though he is powerful and personal, we can honor and respect him. So this one verse, Jesus is saying, we're going to start with God. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus says, make sure that you recognize that relationship. Don't lose sight of the fact that if you are connected to God, you've asked him to cleanse and to forgive you of sins, You're the son, you're the daughter, and you can boldly come to him as heavenly father. Jesus follows that up and says, hold on to, grasp a hold of the fact God is close, God is near, ready to hear, ready to answer. And then finally, remember his holiness. Hallowed, holy is his name. 